are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Yeah, so I'm part of a leadership team here. I'm actually not a preacher or a pastor. I might be a preacher, I don't know. Well, I'm not a pastor for sure. Um, I'm not in seminary. Um, I never had, I never took any seminary classes. So, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. Um, I mean, I do my best with pursuing God and studying the word on Google and stuff like that. But, but um, yeah, so if there's any questions, ask your pastor, don't ask me. Um, but yeah, let's just, let's just begin. But I mean, I think the point of me not even being a pastor, but being able to preach, I think that kind of goes along with my message today. Um, yeah, I think every single person here, uh, no matter you know, who you are, what you do, how old you are, or how young you are, um, I think you're called to preach. And it, maybe not be, maybe not be you know, on a podium in front of people, but I think with your life, I think every single person is called uh, to be a preacher. Um, I thought of this uh, funny little phrase, your medium is your podium. It's kind of catchy, you could tweet that. Um, but let's just get into the text for today. So I'm gonna preach on Matthew 5, uh, verses 13 to 16. So I'll just read it for you guys here. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill uh, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Yeah, so if you don't get anything out of the sermon, I'm just going to tell you something very important right here on, so you have something already. Uh, you need God's voice you know, to navigate through this life, um, to understand your calling. Um, so if you don't get anything, just understand you need God's voice. Go after God's voice. Um, listen to Him. You know, answer His call. I feel like every single person here has a calling on their lives. Um, it may not look the same. It may look really different, actually, um, but every single person, I believe, is called um, to have a relationship with God and, you know, to live that relationship out in wherever you're at. Um, but yeah, so this passage, actually, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, um, and it's actually preached to the disciples, and, I mean, crowds form, and I'm still here as he speaks, but it's preached to the disciples on how to live life, you know? after you're saved, after you're in a relationship with God. So, every single person that's here, that's saved, this is how we're supposed to be living, you know, um, as salt and light of the world. Um, so salt, I just want to go through a few different properties of salt. Um, yeah, so salt, it's a preservative. Um, yeah, so back then, you know, they didn't have, you know, the chemicals that we have now. But they use salt to preserve, actually, all the, uh, the food, fish, whatever it may be. Um, so as us being salt, 
Um, we're called to be a preservative. So what does that mean, right? I don't totally know either, but <laughs> but I feel like it's not. It doesn't look like condemning the world. You know, it doesn't look like hating on things in the world. It doesn't look like judging anyone, but really believing the best for people. You know, um, really seeing the golden people, really seeing um, you know God's glory in every single person, every single human being, um, even the nature around us. I think everything and. You know, what would it look like if we actually acted as a preservative that, rather than something that's trying to kill things, right? Um, another thing that's solved is it, it makes you thirsty, right? Um, has anyone here had, I mean, I'm not trying to knock on Argentinian food, but <laughs> has anyone here had Argentinian barbecue? Two people, awesome. All right, you should try it. But, so I had it uh, a few weeks back and I was really excited, right? Um, and I don't know, it's just like, the food comes out, it's just like huge mound of meat, and then as we're eating it, it's just like the saltiest thing ever. Like, I'm not trying to knock on Argentina, because if anyone's from Argentina, I'm sorry, but, but it's like the saltiest food, and I feel like I drank more water than, than actually the food that was there. Um, and I feel like what salt does is it allows you to thirst uh, after the living God. You know, he's the only one that can satisfy that thirst. And I think if we are called um, to be salt, um, don't take this the wrong way, we're called to make people thirsty, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's not in my notes, I don't know why I said it, but... Um, yeah, but I think we're, we're just called uh, to make people thirsty, you know? Uh, not in that way, but, you know, when people see us, they should see, wow, like there's something um, about this person um, that's so satisfied that, that, you know, I want that too. So I think as we live as salt, you know, we allow people to thirst after the living God. Um, a property of salt that kind of blew my mind, actually, I wrote a blog post about it, if you guys want to check it out. Um, <laughs> salt reduces bitterness. Did you guys ever hear that before? Who knew that before you guys, before I just said right now? No one read my blog post here, though. Yeah, so it actually, so in college, in college, I was at Dining Hall. I really miss Dining Hall, so anyone in college you couldn't fight me. Um, I was drinking chocolate milk there, right? <laughs> and then, you know, some of my friends were like, hey, like, put salt in it. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, why would I put salt? Like, that's like a practical joke that you pull on people. I was like, why would I put salt in it? And they're like, it actually makes it sweeter. I was like, I don't know. I think you're talking about sugar, right? But then they explained to me, like, they, don't, they didn't know the science behind it, but they realized that, um, yeah, salt in chocolate milk makes it sweeter somehow, right? And I Googled it. I forgot to write it here, so I don't know the science behind it, but what it does is salt, uh, it, ultimately, it ultimately reduces the bitterness um, of the flavor and it draws out the sweetness of it. Um, I don't know how, you could ask someone else that's a scientist, <laughs> but that's what salt does and I feel like for us, you know, if we're called to be salt, you know, I think we're called to reduce the bitterness in people's lives. You know, what would it look like if, you know, we walked around, you know, with our friends and instead of adding to the bitterness um, instead of even giving bitterness, you know, what if we reduced it all around us? Um, yeah, I just want to talk about light a little bit too. But 
This is kind of from Pastor Sam's sermon. I heard him say this before, but how many of us, when we turned on a light switch in a room, we saw light and darkness like fight, and then like at the end the light prevailed and then it came out? <laughs> who, who has seen that before? Right? No, nobody. Have you seen that? Did you raise your hand? Oh, okay. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> but but darkness does not stand a chance against light. You guys get that? Darkness does not stand a chance against but you guys are embracing each other. Um, yeah, and it's crazy because for a dark room, all you have to do is turn the light on, and everything in the room is already lit, right? It's lit, right? <laughs> um, so it's kind of like I just want you guys to know that every single person here, God doesn't say try to be light. He says you are the light already. He says you are salt already. So every single one of us here, we are salt and light already. And if we're already called light, darkness does not stand a chance against us. You guys got that? And it's not because we're so great or we're so awesome, but it's because of God who's in us. You know, that light just shines out from inside. Um, here's another science lesson. Light gives color. Did you guys know that? I learned that in, I think, uh, middle school, but I wrote something out here. It's from Google. I don't know what source. But we perceive things to be a certain color because of the ways because of the way our eyes sense the various frequencies of light reflected off of them. Objects that appear red do not contain the color red. They only contain the molecules that affect the visible light waves so that only red is reflected. Um, so if there was actually no light in the world, then there would actually be no color. And we're, I think we're called to you know, bring out the color in the world. Um, I'll get more into that later, but one of my favorite quotes ever from MLK Jr. is, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Um, yeah, and it's like such a good principle to live by. You'll encounter tough people in the world um, every single day. I'm sure every single person here, you know, if you guys drove here, I'm sure you guys encountered someone that was tough to love on the road, right? Um, but what if, you know, all these people that we encounter, you know, we're called to love them, right? What if, what if um, God is actually looking for people that will actually bless their enemies, bless those that curse you? You know, what if God is actually calling us to, you know, love the people that don't love us back, right? And I think maybe that's why, you know, you encounter bad drivers every day or you encounter um, that nasty coworker or the, the bad, I don't know, friends that you have at school, you know, because maybe God is looking for people that will actually bless those who curse you. So don't look at it as you know, God punishing you or anything like that, but it's an opportunity, and I feel like God is trusting you, you know, with these people to actually pray for them, to actually love them. Um, and it, yeah, so this part, I guess it kind of relates, but um, even if, you know, there's someone that's hard to love, maybe this person criticizes you all the time. Um, this is just kind of on a side note. You know, don't think that every single criticism is, you know, like persecution. Um, I think, you know, as Christians, we will get persecuted. But if someone maybe doesn't agree with you or says that you're wrong about something, don't just assume that it's persecution. Um, but just, just take it in and see, test it with your life, test it with scripture, see if it aligns and if it makes sense, and just be humble. And if it applies, then great. But if it's not, then you don't have to worry about it. Um, and he called us light, right? 
not darkness. So this is very simple. Just don't be darkness, okay? But that's very simple. Um, so yeah, I just want to tell a quick story. Uh, this, there's this pastor named Bill Johnson uh, in Bethel. Um, you don't have to agree with Bethel to get the point of the story, but he he lived by this, uh, I think, this supermarket that was near his house, and it was actually owned by a cult. Um, so the owner of the store was in a cult, or a leader of a cult or something, and Bill Johnson, he would actually go there from time to time, and before he would go in, he would, you know, pray to God, like, presence be with me, you know, like, being aware of God's presence, and he would go to that store, and as he's shopping, he would just do quick little prayers, like, down the aisle, up and down the aisle, right? And it wasn't anything crazy, he didn't preach Jesus, you know, but one day, you know, he built a relationship with uh, the owner, um, and he was just straight up like, hey, Bill, um, there's just something about you. Like, whenever you come into the store, like, there's just a change in the room, and and how crazy is it? Because I feel like in this day and age, if something, if a cult owns a supermarket, like, we try to avoid it. Like, you guys know Wawa, right? Like, people used to say, like, oh, Wawa's run by Moonies, and then when I heard that in youth group, I was like, I can't go to Wawa anymore. <laughs> like, I don't want to support the Moonies, right? But I think in the Old Covenant, you know, when a leper touches you, you know, you become unclean, you're considered unclean. But I think in the New Covenant, when you touch a leper, they become clean. So that's what we're living in right now. Um, darkness does not stand a chance against light. Um, and how engaged, you know, was, was Jesus with darkness that, that he was actually called, you know, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, right? Um, do we have any other titles? Like, I, I, think, I think we need to engage with the world. Um, I think we need to engage with the world to actually be you know, salt and light. You know, I think in every single recipe, uh, I feel like salt is used in every single recipe, right? And I feel like you can actually notice when salt is not there. So, so when is salt like least useful? And I feel like it's just when you don't like use it. Like something's not salty when you don't put salt in it. Um, and I just want to go back to the point of salt bringing out flavor and light uh, bringing out color. This is actually Matthew uh, 5, 13 to 16 in the message version. Um, and it's really clear. I feel like I could have just said this and then all the things that I said before would have been understood. But let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out God flavors of this earth. Um, so it says straight up there that you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. And here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. So all, we, all we're called to do as salt and light, um, we just need to draw out the colors, and we just need to draw out the flavors that's already here on this earth, in this world. I think we hear so much, you know, how evil, you know, how disgusting this world is, and, and we forget, you know, like, how great is God that isn't here, you know? God is in this world. He created this world. Um, and I think we're called to just draw that out in people, um, in the things around us. And I think a clear... Um, yeah, we just have to be who God uh, called us to be and let people be who God called them to be. And I think I experienced this firsthand um, actually with my girlfriend. Um, I didn't tell her that I'm going to use her as an example, but that's I am. Um, <laughs> So, actually, when we first started dating, um, 
we were in the same church, someone actually came up to me and asked, like, hey, Kevin, like, 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 what did you do? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then they're like, what, like, like, how are you, you know, walking with God with Anne that she's at a point of no return now? Like, how are you encouraging her so much that she's, like, so in love with Jesus now? And I was like, oh, I did that? No, I don't think I did anything. I was just thinking, and we could cry all the time. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. But, but the point is, the point is, um, yeah, I felt like I didn't do anything, but just let her be who God called her to be. And I feel like that's what every single one of us is called to do. Um, we don't have to do anything great. Like, we don't have to teach every single person, like, how to be like Jesus. We don't have to you know, teach them, like, you have to live this, this way or a certain way, but... I think you just have to let someone be who God has called them to be and encourage them. And I feel like that's the best way, you know, for the God colors and the flavors to be drawn out in this world. Um, and, yeah, I'm kind of hesitant on saying this, but God doesn't call you steak. <laughs> Do you guys get that? God doesn't call you lobster. He doesn't, call you, he doesn't say you're the steak of this world, right? <laughs> so he's not calling us to be something so glorious and something so like juicy and awesome but it's just really simple like we just have to be salt you know that's just like a little bit of seasoning like in recipes right like we don't have to be anything crazy but we just have to be who god called us to be just simply draw out the glory of god in others and in the world um, just by being who god called you to be um, we have a huge responsibility you know in being called salt and light but it's very simple um, it's not the most, you know, grandiose thing, but you definitely notice when it's not there. Um, and I love that Josh talked about, you know, unity before we started, but you never see, you know, salt and light, like, fighting each other, right? Like, uh, let's say you're at, like, a concert, right? Um, actually, is this... Honestly. Let's say you're at a concert, right? <laughs> and you see all these different types of lights, and it's like flashing all these different colors, but you never see it you know, being against each other. Like It just looks nice. Or even fireworks, right? When you see fireworks, you see all these different lights and colors, but it all just works really well together. And I think even in salt, too, um, I don't think every single grain of salt looks exactly the same, but it all works together. It doesn't try to fight each other. The big ones don't try to tell the little ones to go away. But, <laughs> but it all just works together. Um, and I want to read Mark chapter 9, verse 50. This is a Passion Translation. Salt is excellent for seasoning, but if salt becomes tasteless, how can its flavor ever be restored? Your lives, like salt, are to season and preserve, so don't lose your flavor and preserve the peace in your union with one another. So I was kind of reading that, and I was like, the last part just sounds kind of random. Preserve the peace in your union with one another. Um, and that's how you don't lose your flavor. So I actually looked up the footnotes of it, and it says, constantly have, it says, constantly have uh, salt in yourselves. That is, our lives are to become salty for God. Our make speakers refer to salt as a symbol of faithfulness in friendship. The Jews observe a salt covenant. Jesus instructs his followers to be faithful friends to one another, to live in peace. So at the end of the day, there's many different types of people, there's many different types of salt and light, uh, but in the end, it's still salt and light. It's, in the end, we're all still believers, right? It's about unity, not uniformity. Um, I've heard that quote so many times, I don't even know who said it. But it's about <laughs> unity, not uniformity. 
you know, not every single one of us are going to look the same. Um, I think even sometimes um, our view of God, our understanding of God, it, it doesn't look exactly the same, but I think we can all complement it with each other and, and actually go after the full truth, um, not by just disengaging with anyone that doesn't look like us or believe in the same things that we do, but um, actually you know, having conversations. You know, I feel like I feel like the past few months or the past year or so, there's been so much talk like reform the verse, like charismatic or whatever, stuff like that. Like, and people will say like I'm reformed or I'm charismatic, but for me, I don't know what I am. Like, I just I'm just I just love Jesus. Like, that's it. Like, I feel like it's really simple. Like, just go to the Bible, you know, hear from God, and test it. And I feel like that's what it's about. It's not about um, exactly what you know line of theology that you need to cling on to or believe in. Um, actually, I heard a quote from Bill Johnson when we were at the conference recently, but I forgot who, but it was two famous theologians, but they said, we loved more when we knew less. I, I think just let that sink in a little bit. It doesn't mean, you know, like, don't learn. It doesn't mean, like, don't know things, but we loved more when we knew less. I think as we grow in knowledge, we um, try so hard to nitpick at every single thing, and it actually makes us lose you know, the love that we have for each other. Um, so going back to you know, being salt and light of the earth and of the world, we're useless unless we actually engage with the world. You know, God says, who puts uh, light under a basket? You know? um, and I feel like we're kind of entering this paradigm shift where there's no longer something that's sacred versus secular. Um, I think I think people ask, like, oh, like, should I be in full-time ministry? Or, and I understand that that's like an occupational thing, but I think if you're a believer, you're, you're in full-time ministry. Right. You're a high priest as soon as you become a believer. <laughs> and every single one of us here is called to full-time ministry because we are a believer in Jesus Christ. Um, it's no longer about you know, just a pastor or just a missionary. I'm not knocking pastors or missionaries, but it, it's not limited to that anymore. Um, and I feel like that puts a huge responsibility on every single one of us here too, to actually go after faith, you know, to understand that faith is our own, um, to actually have a personal relationship with God. We're not in the times where the high priest was the only one that could enter the presence of God and possibly die. Like, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. But every single one of us, you know, we have direct access to God because of Jesus Christ. Um, for God so loved the world, right? So we have, we have to love the world, and it doesn't mean you know, loving worldly things or going after worldly things, but we have to actually love you know, the people in the world um, and engage with things that are not right in the world. Um, and I just want to, it says in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. And I feel like with that, if we have pure hearts and we actually go after God um, in the purest way, everything we do, I feel like it's ministry, you know? I, I'm not in ministry, right? I'm not in, like, in an occupational in ministry. I'm in human resources. I'm, I'm Toby from the office. <laughs> right? That's me. But, but God calls me a full-time minister, you know? Um, and for me, even doing human, human resources, to the pure, all things are pure. Um, and I just kind of want to talk about this part. I was kind of hesitant in sharing this. Um, so this part, take it 
I guess with a grain of salt. Oh, that's not fair on words. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, talk about it. Maybe with your pastor if you're confused. And Pastor Sam, you might have to edit this out or if you're recording it. But um, how many of us know that that once we, we become believers, that sin nature is dead. That we are not bound to sin anymore. That we don't have to sin anymore. I think sometimes we still do sin. This is not um, condemnation in any way. We still can choose sin. We can still make bad choices because there's still free will. Um, if you think about Adam and Eve, they didn't have sin nature when they sinned, right? So you can still make bad choices even though you don't have sin nature in us. And I feel like when I understood that, that I'm not bound to sin nature anymore, that I'm not, that God doesn't call me sinner anymore, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but then once I enter salvation, He calls me saint. You know, He calls me a new creation. He cleansed my mind. He called me pure. He calls me holy righteous. You know? And we don't have to choose sin anymore. And I think that freed me so much. And, and, but then after a while, I was still sometimes like getting angry or, or I don't know, saying bad things about people. I don't know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, it was still like, there was still like sin, I felt like, in my life. And I realized um, that's not because of the sin nature, but it was, it could have been either one of two things. I feel like one, um, I think temptations come from the enemy. How many of us know that temptation is not sin? That even Jesus Christ was tempted. So as soon as you're tempted with something, don't think that you sinned already. But understand that in that moment, you have the choice to choose Jesus or to choose sin. But you have that choice. That God freed us. And it's the grace that, that doesn't, it's not, it's not only um, the grace that saved us, but it empowers us and it transforms us. Yeah, he calls us a new creation, a new mind. He purified us. And it might come from habit. Um, or we just don't have the right understanding of God in that. You know, I think maybe sometimes we sin because we don't trust God in these areas of our lives. You know, that He can bring you know, the best pleasure possible. Or that He can bring the most fun possible. Or that He can, you know, whatever it may be, I think maybe it's just because we don't trust God in this character or in this part of our lives. And, and I feel like that actually puts more of a responsibility on every single one of us to actually uh, you know, fight these battles and to understand that when we sin, it's not just because you're a sinner or you're, you know, have sin nature, but you actually have the opportunity now to grow in God in this way. So let's say uh, you choose to go out and get drunk because that's more fun, right? But if we understand that God has more fun for us than that, then we understand we don't have to choose that anymore. And it actually fixes that part of the relationship. Um, yeah, it freed me, it made me take more responsibility for you know, the stupid choices or bad choices. And re it redeems every single bad choice that you make because it, it just shows you which area of your life is, is broken, you know? It shows you which part of your relationship with God is broken, and it's His grace that you know leads us to, to transformation. Um, yeah, so temptation is not sin. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it just holds every single person responsible for their own faith. Um, 
Yeah. So I was thinking, uh, I mean, working full time. I, well, I've been out of college for three years now, but <laughs> but then, yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, it's like the grind every single day. You know, full time job. You know, nine to five, and I was looking at. You know, sometimes pastors put up things that they're doing during the day, and sometimes you know they're at EMP or they're playing like soccer or something, right? And so, <laughs> and so I was like, oh man, how great would it be you know, to be a pastor? You know, I get to go to morning prayer every day. You know, I could just read the, the word or you know read a book and just learn and just and I'll be so close to God. Like pastors are so lucky because they could be so close to God. And then I was reminded, you know, we're not in the times of the high priest anymore, where only the high priest can, you know, have the presence of God. But every single day, we have the option to connect with the presence of God, even in our daily lives. I feel like even in our commute, you know, to work, even in our interactions with our coworkers, even in uh, when we're, I guess, like in the world, right? It doesn't have to be just Christian-related things that we grow in God. Um, and I feel like that's just kind of a shift that's happening, that there's no longer a barrier between sacred and secular, um, but that once you become you know, a believer, that everything is sacred. Yeah, and once again, I'm not you know, knocking pastors or machines or anything. I'm just trying to you know, shift, I guess, the value of relationship with God onto every single one of us here, you know, not just a certain group of people, um, and in whatever you do, Colossians uh, chapter 3 verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through Him. Um, my pastor, Pastor Jay, actually, he, he gave a great sermon on this, but, you know, we're called to represent Jesus Christ in everything that we do. Even, like, when we order food or even dealing with customer service, I feel like, and no one likes customer service, but, uh, I'm sorry to the people that work in customer service, but customer service is just hard to deal with, and I feel like if we represent Jesus doing it, that's just, you know, a bit of light, and that's just, you know, a bit of adding flavor um, to the world where normally they don't get flavor or they don't, you know, see light. And, um, yeah, and I think there was a time where, where at work I was given an assignment, and I'm in HR, but this, my manager was like, hey, I need, to, I need you to work on this. And then as I looked at it, it was more like accounting stuff, or like finances or something that I didn't study at all. So I was like, oh shoot, like, I don't know how to do this. But I was pretty new at my job still. So I just wanted to you know, say yes and just try to do a good job. And, but as I looked at it more and more, I was like, I literally don't know what to do. So I literally prayed, right? I just prayed and I was like, God, like, like, you need to help me, or I'm going to get fired. <laughs> right? and, and then I just attempted to work on it, you know, just praying to God. And for some reason, you know, God actually gave me wisdom in that moment. And I was actually doing it. And I was like, oh, I think this is actually right. And I just kept working on it. I finished it. Um, and then I showed it to my manager. And she was actually impressed. She was like, wow, Kevin, like, this is you know, exactly what it is. Um, but actually, you flipped like these two parts and you actually did the whole thing like wrong, right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, what the heck? Like, I thought, I'm God, are you betrayed? No, I was like, God, I thought, you know, it was supposed to be this way, but I was like, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. Um, I'll redo it in the way that you asked me to. But actually, 
for some reason, I had a feeling like, no, I think this is right. So I actually saved it in a separate file, and then I fixed it, fixed it in the way that she told me to, right? And then I give it back to her, and she gives it to her boss, and her boss responds saying, hey, it's supposed to be in this way. And then the way that she explained it was exactly the way that I did it. So I was like, oh my gosh. And she was like, Kevin, I'm so sorry, but you have to redo it again. And I was like, no, I don't. I actually saved it because I felt like I had to save it. So I gave it to her, and then at that time, like, she was so impressed, like, they were clapping for me in the office. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I feel like that's just a little bit, you know, of, I mean, I wish, I wish the story ended, you know, really well, but in that moment, I wish I was able to say, like, hey, listen, like, the way that this happened is because I actually asked God for wisdom. You know, I wish I was that brave and had that much courage, but I don't believe that this is the last time that this will happen. Because um, I do a lot of things I don't know what I'm doing, so. So, next time, I'll say something. But I think this is just a way that we can be a light, you know, even in the workplace. Um, and I think in this, you know, new era of just sold out people not being just, just pastors or missionaries, I think God will call you uh, to places that you don't understand. And I think God will give you assignments that you don't understand. And it's all over the Bible when you look at it. For example, uh, Noah, right? You guys know the story of Noah? Um, he was called to build an ark, right? And he's just, you know, spending all day building an ark. And his neighbors were like, Noah, like, what are you doing? And Noah's like, oh, God told me to. It's going to rain. And they're like, what the heck? Like, this guy's crazy. Like, they don't associate with them. They're like, oh, this guy's so weird. He just builds, like, this thing. And I think when God speaks to you, not every single person around you will understand it. You know, when God gives you a special assignment, like, not every single person around you, even maybe even your friends or even your family, like, they might not get it. That doesn't mean to detach the community. Obviously, still stay in community, but understand that maybe if God's voice is calling you to this, maybe it actually is God. You know, just give it a try. And I feel like a crazy thing, um, I don't know if you guys know Sean Bowles, but him and his ministry actually, they felt called to go to a porn convention, right? And it's just like, what the heck? Like, why would a ministry go to a porn convention? Like, they're gonna like make like, oh, like expression58exposed.com, like, like what's wrong with these people? Like, Sean Bowles is fake or he's a pervert. But they decided to go, right? Because they felt like God was calling him um, to go to this place. And, and it's crazy because when he was there, he gave a word of knowledge to one of these uh, female actresses. Um, and it connected with her so much that she actually repented from that life. And it's like so crazy, like, how does that happen? Like, that kind of story, it doesn't make sense, right? And what if Sean Bowles was just like, God, like, uh, I don't think this is right. And he just like, passed it over. But sometimes, like, it won't look exactly like know what you think what you're used to I think we need to really listen for God's voice and understand that it's not going to look like everything that we've seen already um, yeah Noah stole to build an ark Samson was told not to cut his hair like that's just weird right <laughs> <laughs> that's like I think that's like you know like but <laughs> yeah like imagine you know living with Samson and it's like dude like it's getting kind of long. <laughs> it's like, 
on my shoulders, having my hair, and getting kind of smelly, at least like braided or something, get some dreadlocks. But, you know, that kind of calling, like, people aren't going to understand it, you know? Um, you know, Esther was told to stand up um, to the person that could have killed her, right? A Abraham was told to kill Isaac. Like, I don't think any of us, I don't know how many parents are here, but I don't think you, you would understand that. Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, Ananias was told to go to Paul so that he could uh, heal his eyes, so that he could see again. And if I was Ananias, like, I wouldn't go. Like, this guy, he was killing every single Christian out there, um, every single believer of Jesus Christ, and God says, hey, go and pray for this guy to see. It's like, no, God, you answered my prayers by making him blind. Right? <laughs> He's like, no, like, go pray for this guy so that he can see again. Like, He's going to kill me. But he goes and he prays for Paul. And even Barnabas, he was told to stick with Paul. You know, even the other apostles, they were like, I don't know if he's trustworthy. Like, he killed like, everyone I know. But, <laughs> but for some reason, Barnabas was like, you know, this is my assignment. I'm, I'm supposed to encourage this guy. I'm supposed to walk with this guy. And imagine if that didn't happen. Like, we don't have the New Testament, right? Like, he wrote, like, everything. But, um, and I think the last thing was, Jesus was told to get caught and crucified. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, Peter decides to cut off the guy's ear, and Jesus is like, no, and he heals him. And Peter's just, what the heck? I was, I'm on your side, Jesus, right? But it's just crazy. Like, and I think we see a pattern about God from here on. And I think the pattern is that there is no pattern, right? Like, there's no pattern to what God does, who God uses, and what he calls us to do. And so don't think you're crazy if maybe God tells you to uh, go to... KFC, like, tomorrow at 2 p.m. or something like that. Like, something crazy, like, I don't know, just try it. and Just risk it in faith. And, um, I don't know if you guys know Judas Smith, but he, he's a pastor, uh, I think, in Seattle. And he was on a panel with uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr., Carl Lentz, and um, some other guy. can't pronounce his last name. His first name's Chad. But it's, it's crazy because they were just asking him questions, and he was, uh, it's just a Q&A session. And this was a point that actually blew my mind. So he was kind of, like people were saying like, oh, like how come you know you hang out with Justin Bieber? And he's just like, you know, let me break it down to you. You know that verse, whoever does not love the least of these, uh, when I was hungry and sick and didn't have a house like you, you know, you did all those things. He said often, you know, it's applied to just, you know, third world countries, only like the slums and only the poor, but what if the least of these to you is someone else. And to him, it was the celebrities. To him, the celebrities were the people that were the least of these, that no one was giving attention to, that they didn't have community. And him, he was like, God, these are the people that you're highlighting to me, so I'm going to go after it. And it's crazy because when people talk crap about Justin Bieber, you know, Judah Smith can go like, hey, don't talk crap about my church member. And I think that's just a huge shift in perspective that Justin Bieber is someone's church member. You know, he's part of someone's flock. Um, now I'm praying for Kanye West to be a part of ours. <laughs> but yeah, like maybe you know we, we gotta start praying for celebrities too. You know they need Jesus too. They're just people. Um, but yeah, I think we have to realize that every single person you know everywhere on this earth is deserving of love. Um, 
that they need a chance to know who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ did for your life and what they could what Jesus could do for their lives. You know? Um, and I think we can't get caught up on how other people will view us. You know, because Judas got a lot of crap and Carlin's got a lot of crap for hanging out with uh, with Justin Bieber. And you know, what if he was just like so scared of people that he didn't actually go, right? Um, then these people would not have community. And I think another example is, um, I have a friend named Brian Lee, he's a pastor, Pastor Brian Lee, and to him, the least of these was actually the dancer community. And it's weird because, like, dancer community, that's just, like, there's a community of dancers, like, that just looks funny, but, but there's actually, he's actually, like, doing, doing work there, you know, like, he's there engaging, with um, these dancers, he's a dancer himself, he's going out teaching classes, and for him to actually be able to build a relationship with these people, that in hard times, they actually reach out to him. And I've seen his friends actually come to our church because they knew that he was a Christian, they knew that he had Jesus Christ, they saw something else in him that they didn't see in the people around them. And to him, the least of these was the dancer community, and no one was reaching out to these people. And I'm sure every single person here, we have someone or a group of people that is the least of these. And I feel like God is just calling every single person to just go after it. You know? Um, yeah, and I think in the future, I would want my kids to be in public school versus private school. I mean, maybe not private school. Versus like a Christian school. Because I want to see my kids become, you know, light, light of the world. You know, I want to see them engage with darkness and actually not turn into darkness, but actually infect darkness and make it light. Um, I just want to invite the priest to come up. Yeah, I feel like I'm starting to see the value of having choices, but making the right one. And I feel like if you start taking all the bad choices out you know, of our lives, like let's say you're addicted to like, social media, so you decide to just quit social media, um, I feel like when you have an opportunity to choose something, um, I think there's more value in that. <laughs> just like we planned, just like how we planned. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, I'm almost finished. Thanks so much for just bearing with me. Uh, it's my second time preaching. The last time was actually with Christian too. But, um, I just want to talk about this imagery that I heard recently from a pastor, and he's talking about like a dislocated shoulder. Um, yes, a lot of maybe some of us have had dislocated shoulders in the past, but when you dislocate a shoulder, it it's it's not dead. It's not like cut off from your arm. It's still there, it's still part of your arm, it's still alive, but it's not functional. Like, you can't use it, um, it's not doing its purpose. And I feel like the enemy wants to dislocate us from our calling. So I think the da most dangerous thing is uh, when we're caught up in good things versus God things. I think the enemy will use good things to lure us away from our calling. And I think just like dislocated shoulders, I think he wants to dislocate us from our calling so that we're still alive, 
that we're still there, that we're, you know, we're not dead, but we're not functional, that we're not in our purpose. And I think tonight, I think a lot of us, um, maybe we'll be brought back to you know, some of the things that we thought were worldly, or some of the things that we thought we couldn't um, engage with anymore just because um, it didn't look Christian. And I think every single one of us is called to just engage with the world. I think Tom White, he's like this crazy guy, crazy white guy with dreadlocks. Then you just know he's crazy, white guy with dreadlocks, like that's just crazy. But he's always talking about how he's not a street evangelist, but he's just living a lifestyle of, of, of Jesus, you know, of Christianity. And he says, like, you don't have to be a street evangelist, but you have to walk to lunch. And, and that means, like, you know, when you're working or when you're in school or whatever, you're gonna walk to lunch, like physically, this is not like a, uh, well, it does not have a phrase, but you're literally walking to lunch, right? You're gonna encounter people around you, and especially if you're in the city, you're gonna see like a homeless person, or you're gonna see, you know, people just standing there walking by, and, and he's saying, you have an opportunity to engage with the world, living your lifestyle of, of Jesus Christ, just by like, going to lunch, you know? And it's so simple. I think every single person here, we're, we're called to be ministers of light, you know? We're supposed to bring salt and light to the world, to everyone around us. Um, and it's cool because um, the way that Todd White operates, he, there's like a lot of healing, prophetic words, you know, like supernatural stuff and whatever, and we love that too, but that's not the point. You know, the point is that these people get connected to Jesus Christ and their life changes forever. That they're saved and that they could actually enter a relationship with this man that died for us and he rose for us. We're not just called to the people at our church. You know, it's expanding. How do we engage with the world when we're just so focused on you know, growing our church and our church programs and whatever it may be? I think it's no longer about how do we attract people to come inside the church? How do we bring this person inside the church? But I think how do we send our people out to be the church in the world? How are we called you know, the light of the world when all we're doing is staying inside four walls, you know? Um, and I think it just, it just always starts and ends with just Jesus Christ and how much he loves us you know, I think every single person here, we answer, you know, his call, um, you know, of love that he wants a relationship with us. And, and it's crazy because every single person should have the opportunity to hear, you know, the word of God, who Jesus Christ is. And just think about how much, I think I, I just want everyone to just close their eyes right now. Um, let's just meditate on just how much Jesus loves you. And I just want to allow the love of Jesus Christ you know, to overflow, to expand in our, in our hearts and just overflow out onto every single person around us. It's all about Jesus Christ. Healing is cool. Prophetic words is cool. The supernatural stuff is cool. But it's all about knowing Jesus Christ and being known by Jesus Christ.
give an invitation. But I feel like we're just called to surrender. I think I think we've had such a stigma with quote unquote worldly things and we were so limited in our thinking. I think we're called to surrender um, our minds to Jesus. Just surrender your past knowledge and your past mindsets and, and letting God, giving God the space um, to just speak to you about where you're called. I, I just want to ask you guys to stand. listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.